Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Lean Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Callum, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and we've talked on this show about how one of the best things about Celeste the Cat is his versatility, and so we've compiled today three shorts where the, uh, where the Looney Tunes directors do nothing but scare the shit out of them. Yes! Because he can be good at that, too. <laughs> yes! Sylvester's good at being a scared little pussy. Ah, I see what you did there. And... Yeah, I mean, and look, we about a year ago, or maybe probably two years ago at this rate, we covered uh, Scaredy Cat, which is a classic, which is a great late 40s one that that really nails so much about that unit post-World War II and about what they were doing with both Porky and Sylvester, and it's a great cartoon that everyone loves. And this car- this episode we're doing is the two sequels to that one that have different approaches to how it's best to do a sequel to that concept, as well as another unconnected Sylvester short that has a lot of the same qualities-ish, kind of, sort of, or maybe it's just in here because we needed it. Not really. Either way. <laughs> Either really. way. But, um, but, again, Sylvester is scared out of his mind in every single one of these cartoons, and that makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. So the shorts we're covering are... Claws for Alarm, Jumpin' Jupiter, and Tweet and Sour. Yes. And also important to note that two of these shorts were featured in, of all things, Daffy Duck's Quackbusters, whereas Mm -hmm. the other one uh, wasn't. Nope. No. It's a real reaching into the pile of Looney Tunes plots and going, which one says Sylvester gets scared? That one? Okay, fine. Yeah. And again, I mean, look, sometimes we're going to really nail a theme, and sometimes it's a stretch. Like like the one where we thought the dog with the martini was going to be in it, and it ended up being uh, archive footage. But um, this is at least, like, making sure that we still maintain the same modicum of quality in all three of them. I mean, you know, these are still golden agey uh, Sylvester and Porky cartoons, or Sylvester and Tweety cartoons. And, you know... There's not a lot that, I mean, we're going to get into it with our, with our opinions on them, but like, you know, there's no autopiloting, which is great. So, shall we begin? So, the first short we got here is Claws for Alarm. Yes. It came out on May 22nd, 1954. Yeah. Regardless of what happened on that day, Robert Zimmerman had his bar mitzvah. Nice. Good for Bob. <laughs> So, so okay. So, what would be funny is that, like, <laughs> the thing is, is that, like, and again, we're doing this. We're recording this actually on Passover, which is actually very ironic. But, um, oh, yeah. and, and again, we're, we're like, you know, we're, we're one and a half of us is Jewish. So, <laughs> it's great. But it would be very funny because, you know, the doing, I, I've sat through several bar mitzvahs in my in my day and um you know it's, it's the kind of thing like i i, I had a, a, fa- a vague like you know i i i, I never 
I didn't have a, a, a formal education as far, other than going to a summer camp. It's like, oh, this is this. But like, I, I don't have a, a full fluency in Hebrew. And so that's already hard to understand. But just picture prepubescent Bob Dylan. <laughs> also just, known as Robert Zimmerman. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I was like, is that another Robert Zimmerman? I was like, oh, okay. But um, Bob just, Dylan, folks. <laughs> it is Bob Dylan, yes. Robert Zimmerman's real name. Uh, Robert Zimmerman changed his name to Bob Dylan. David Bowie had a, had a song called Song for Bob Dylan where the first line is, Now here's this Robert Zimmerman, you know, something like that. And it's great. But um, you imagine like Bob hears that and goes, Dude, I don't want people to know that. That's not my name anymore. My name anymore. I just don't know what I do. Come on. But Bob said it a little bit like Cheech Marin there. <laughs> hey, man. No, no. But I, what I'm saying is that like, I already yeah, can't really understand Hebrew, but like Bob Dylan trying to do, uh, uh, or even Bob now. When the Jews are falling in your face, and the Hebrew it is out of place. But yes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate Perfect. it. Yeah. You ruined a beautiful song. <laughs> no. Um, to be fair, Adele does a great cover of that song. It's a really good I know. Cover. I prefer Adele's version. Actually, no. No, I don't. I prefer Bob Dylan's oh. version. I, I, I know, I know. I'm a purist. Even though I really, really like Adele's version, I do prefer Bob Dylan's version. I also will go so far as to say Billy Joel also has a really good version of it. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, he does. I think he did the earliest cover of it, and then Bob Dylan did it, and Adele, obviously. Yeah, and, it, and again, it's late Bob Dylan. Uh, it's late. It's late Billy Joel. It's like I think it's 90s. Really. Yeah, it's 90s, yeah. Yeah, which you don't But, remember. um... But, but yeah, no, but Bob yeah, Dylan. Just Bob Dylan. Yeah. Mazel tov, Bob. Yeah. I would like you to read these uh, Torah portions. He, he sounded like he, that even when he was 13. He's like, how you doing? I'm Bob Dylan. I'm 13 years old. I would like a Pepsi and, uh, and a peanut butter sandwich. Um, now, here's what I don't get. If he's Jewish, why the hell do he have that song about Santa? <laughs> well, you see, Mark, in the late 70s, Bob Dylan became a born-again Christian. And huh. very famously had a gospel phase from 1978 to 1981-ish. Uh, he has a very famous song called You Gotta Serve Somebody that he performed on SNL. Um, and... You know, it's a very famous line. You know, it may it may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And the funny story is that when he was performing at that that week, they, they changed the lyrics. The writers essentially, uh, as they were saying it themselves, basically, it may be the devil and it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. It's genuinely happened. Um, but yeah, no, Bob Dylan basically 
like de denounced his his Judaism essentially, and for a period, really, you know, went wild with the Christian thing. There, there's the, the 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 album Slow Train Coming, I believe. Is the name of it. I think it is Slow Train Coming. Although it's not a great, uh, not that great when you're when you're typing Bob Dylan slow into Google. <laughs> yeah, it, it is slow train coming. Uh, why, why are you trying to call me slow? I think I'm a very smart person. I think you might have to say, uh, yeah, no, uh, slow train coming. It was a statement of his own faith, and that's why he's been pretty Christian ever since. And yeah, but yes, in in this point in 1954. He was bar mitzvah, and he also has a stupid Christmas song, right? Like yes. in the music video, and he sings terribly. <laughs> that, that's what I was setting up. Thank you so much. We left this way. Ho, ho. He, he sounds like exactly. Otto from The Simpsons now. He's like, Must be said, yeah. hey, man. Yeah. Uh, not oh, Cheech, God. Otto. All right. Um, all right. Exactly. Different characters. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> That's the end of this week's show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why go on? Why go on after that? And the thing is, and I told Mark this before we went on. I said, um, I, he said, like, oh, yeah, I've got a really good on this day for the first one. I'm like, that's a relief because I didn't find shit for the other two. <laughs> so that uh, that makes sure our run yeah. is on guard. Um, but yes. Uh, yes. No, yeah. Bob Dylan got bar mitzvah. Bob Dylan reading the Torah. Um, Talking about so, the slaves leaving Israel. I, I don't care. I, I, I can't do Dylan. Um, you got to so, do it. Like yeah, you just went Hadouken. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yes, yeah, so the, the very famous... Um, the very famous... Um, <laughs> Very famous Jewish text, Street Fighter. All right. So, Clause for Alarm was directed by Chuck Jones, written by Michael Maltese. This is the <laughs> second of three uh, shorts featuring Porky Pig and Sylvester. He doesn't speak in this one. It's a continuation of Scaredy Cats. Yeah. And you know what's so, fu you know what's so funny? What we it's just did? It's the second short. <laughs> That also, I love how when the short begins, there's a title card: Porky Pig and Sylvester the Cat. I love that. It, it's an old timey, almost forties esque title card. It's it's like a Disney title card. Like you know how you like in House of Mouse when you you'd see like the giant goofy smile coming at you and saying it's a goofy cartoon. Well, it's like that, and, and that goes all the way back to classics. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, classic motif there. Yeah. Um, House of Mouse, by the way, uh, still in our Disney Plus. What the hell? Fuckers. Get to that. Come on. Like, if you're going to be lazy, at least put the movies on there. Put House of Villains and uh, Snowden yeah. and House of Mouse, at least. You know, you know give sense. James Woods a chance. <laughs> I think. Mm. I don't know. All right. All right, so our short begins with Porky and Sylvester. They're out of the wilderness. I like to think this takes place all made it through the wilderness. Somehow they made it through. Never knew how lost yeah. they were until they found each other. 
Um, exactly. Exactly. Weird Al Who? Touch for the very first time. I can't do a Porky. Sorry, Bob. No. If only we knew someone who could. Anyways, um, <laughs> so they're driving through and Porky's saying, okay, we should go somewhere for the night. Oh, look, it's a small town that's deserted. Everything's closed. Isn't that great? Me all smashes in the corner, cower, cowarding. Yeah. He leans over to Porky and Porky like, oh, what very affectionate uh, cat. Thank you, Sylvester. Completely <laughs> oblivious. And that's why Lily he's so good in these. By the way, I, I remembered from our Quackbusters episode, this mm-hmm. was the one where um, there was such a quality difference from the beginning bridging to the start of this cartoon. It had been a while between 1954 and 1987. And you could just oh, tell right. yeah. in, uh, in Mel's voice, especially for Porky. Golly, I've always wanted to go out west. Haven't you seen it, Sylvester? It's so quaint and picturesque. I don't think we're ever going to find any poltergeists out here. Dry Gulch Hotel. How opportune. I hope they're not full up. Uh, yeah, come on, Sylvester. I- I'm afraid we'll just have to wake somebody up. But here, it's all good. Yeah. So, um, Point Sylvester, they they walk around the premises, and I and we get introduced to our villains, which are demonic mice or the evil mice. Evil mice, a lot like in the first one. Yes, yeah, kind of the same bad guy. Yeah. But here, here, as you both say, but here. They they're scary the entire way through, you know. Yes. There 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 is no random uh, reveal of oh we're kooky. It's like nope, they're evil the entire way through, which is nice. Provides actual um a, a kind of a more demanding threat because honestly we don't see the mice that often. A lot of it's in the shadow. A lot of yeah. it's through the eyes. I think there's just a big difference between Chuck's mentality in the fifties versus in the late forties where. Yes, you could still have a full-on goof thing because that's what the company was known for. Whereas in the fifties, it's more about storytelling and keeping a mood going. And yeah, that, I see why he'd keep that going now. Yeah. So like, as they're walking around the the premises, there's these cracks in the walls, and these green eyes are looking through. And I love this the the crack in the wall that has like the silhouette of a I love creature. That. And if the uh, green eyes looking through it provides like an actual, I was like threat to Sylvester yeah. leading the ju- the jump into the suitcase. I love, love that. that. I also love the bit of that where um, Porky opens up the suitcase and Sylvester's tail is sticking out of his shirt. He's in the shirt. He's in the <laughs> shirt. That's that's. I love that. Um, and then they go into this place, and uh, again, I, I feel like I said this in Quackbusters. The angles and silhouette and shadow in this is fantastic. Oh my god, I love this sequence. Oh, so many amazing shots. So atmospheric. Yes, there's um, you know, like like Porky rings the bell and he's waiting for someone to come, and then they just bring in a noose to hang Porky immediately. <laughs> right off the bat. Right off the bat, hang him as, as so just 
pushes Porky over the the, the desk and <laughs> and and takes the the and the the, the noose goes up immediately. And of course, Porky's like, Blister, what did you do that for?" Leading uh, leading Sylvester to. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, yeah. If you remember our previous episode, we did Scaredy Cat. We had a lot of Curds and Carly Dog uh, comparisons. Yep. They don't stop here. Nope. <laughs> I think that uh, the guys who did um, Courage, I think, took a lot of expectations. They love these three cartoons, and I see why. And But, yeah, especially in the scene where, where Sylvester's doing the impression of like the news coming down and and it, it's very much like courage trying to explain himself to muriel you know the, something like that we have footage of that now yay um <laughs> great you know how um, it look like when i do voice also, acting shit also, sorry also um i believe the noose came out of the moose of the moose statue so it was a noose moose Yes. Um, whose noose was loose. That's fun. And, that fun. Um, um, yeah. And also, I just love the, the, the visual. Like, he brings the rope, he ties it, and like holds himself to simulate that they're going to hang you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, I, I'm sure the shot of Sylvester hanging himself made the TV edits just Fine. We were making this cartoon for kids. We were doing it for ourselves. I'm sure Kardnick wasn't like, should we have Sylvester demonstrate hanging himself? Did the kids get a bad idea with that? Hey, you know, SpongeBob demonstrated CPR and it went well. Yes, indeed. So, um, eventually, I think like a, 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 a gun comes out of no, I think the moose. On, the, on the moose. Yes. Oh. Sweet Jesus, the moose has a gun. Um yes. <laughs> Where it's going to shoot Porky, and then so Sylvester just fights with the moose. We get this shot of a yes. dust cloud of a moose and Sylvester on a gun, which is very nice. I also love the shot of just the moose head with the shotgun craning upwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I love Porky's issue of just Sylvester. What are you trying to do? Wake everybody in the house? Yes, newsflash. Yes. There's no one there. Damn it, it's empty. And just look, as he's going, as he's pulling Sylvester up the stairs, fighting with stuffed animals. I mean, I really. love that. Yeah. So they're in interest to the room, and Porky even says, Wow, isn't it amazing? We're able to find such a good quality room. Available is like, yeah, Gee, I wonder. because everyone else is dead. You know what? I would love a sequence where you know they're trying to open to all the doors, and like Porky opens the door, he had to look at Simon Spencer, sees like there's a man hanging in there. Like, oh, it's too drafty. Close the door. That's what they would do now. There's like blood splatter <laughs> everywhere. Well, that, that's very much the one they did with the killer Norman Bates, Tom Kenny guy. Rob, there's, there's like blood everywhere before it goes. Oh well, I I I guess they're uh, painting. <laughs> oh, those they didn't clean up after themselves. We're gonna have to uh, send a complaint down to, 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 to uh, uh, the front desk. <laughs> so yeah, you know that's where boys like okay, I'm going to bed, Sylvester. Good night. And uh, again, the, they they try to take that noose. They want to kill this pig. As Sylvester 
jumps up, gets a blade, uh, yeah, a shaving razor. blade, goes up, cuts it with the razor. And I just love the expression work on Porky's face. Oh, my God, uh, yeah. Yes, that is Sylvester. Uh, we, we, what are you doing we, with that rope and uh, that razor? This is a great one for Mel as Porky. Like, he, he, I do love how he just does the sort of kind of just annoyed, just confused, just not having time for this sort of Porky and just how consistent it is through the rest of this, especially this one over the next one. But yeah. I don't have anything here between that and Sylvester getting kicked out, out of that room. Is there any inner gags in between? There's one or two other ones, but it was mostly just some of the same. And that's one of the problems I have with this is that sometimes a, a lot of the gag work isn't as stark and um, able to pick out as some of the stuff in Scaredy Cat. But yeah, no, Sylvester does get thrown out. And this is where we get the reveal of the sort of ghostly mouse the structure. Ghost. Which, how much you want yeah. to bet the little zithery music that the when the ghost comes around? How much you want to bet that was done by a young Bill Lava? Wait, what? Get off of me! Get out of here! What's the big idea? What are you up to now, Sylvester? Ooh, do did, 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 did you think it, it didn't sound good? No, it just sounds like something that Bill Lava would do, like the different instrument instruments that he would use. It sounds less like a milk thing and more like a bill well, thing. Well, it, they did use a slide guitar, oh. which is very much... Um, which is a very Bill Lava thing, so maybe that's what got me. Yes. Like, oh no, the 60s are starting, get your guns! Wait a minute. Wait, who's playing that slide guitar? Well, is it Bill? It's blowing in your face. <laughs> I don't know. You said guitar, and I thought you were going back to Bob. No, I was going to leave on me giants. Anyway. Oh, oh, is it Bill? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. All Sorry. Right. We got there. I'm so I'm there. so big on the uh, Bob uh, Dylan listen. gag that I've completely forgotten about my favorite band. You forgot? Yeah, so invested in Bob Dylan, you just forgot every single music artist you ever loved. To be fair, this is a great bit, so you you, you see why I'm, I'm prioritizing it. Uh, but also, I do love the reveal. It's a very quick reveal of yeah. the go by a lamp. It's, just, it's a bunch of mice tacked on top of each other. It's a That's very so nice Chuck. Tag. That's so wonderfully Chuck. Very, and yeah, very I can Chuck. see why something like this would influence Joe Dante down the road, just by how something spooky is shown to us and, and kept innocence. <laughs> So of course you know Sylvester runs in like like oh it's this ghost this ghost person's like okay and they goes over and it's just it's a sheet they 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 put the sheet on a chair it takes off it's like oh there's nothing there and I, I don't know if this is what he says but I love the London Porky of a you whip the poltroon of a chicken cat you yes I, I love like that, that line it's a good and line. Again, like the one bit of this that I absolutely loved, I think it was here, but Sylvester springing back into the room as the ghost is around and you just hear shouting Porky without actually seeing him. That Anytime there's there's shout, there's disembodied shouting, I always love that because you're, you, you, you're led to imagine the facial expressions and it's just funny when, when, when it's just like shouting from off screen and especially if it's Porky in this. 
probably also why and, Schultz's um, office does me in. <laughs> so we then get this bit where the the mice have a gun through the wall sweet, and they're sweet. just going to shoot him that way. Yes. And and, pour, and so it just runs through, puts his hole through it. The bullet goes through him, hits Forky's top of the hat, and, and I think Forky does say mice or something. He says something where it's like, oh, yeah. He says, tell me, Sylvester, is there any insanity in your family? Exactly. Yeah, so that's what he says when he wakes up. It's like, is there? So eventually Sylvester gets the gun and this is something when oh, I yes. saw this shot, I'm like, oh shit, this is a crap buster. So I remember really loving this shot. So Buster's did I. Really love it now. Where, poor, uh, where Sylvester is taking guard at <laughs> at the um at the window. We we fade in, we see his eyes first, they're bloodshot, but up all night. We then see his whole body frame. We then cut to a beautiful shot of the sun coming in. I love He's holding that. the gun. It's a back shot, and it's so beautifully done. So good. As Porky wakes up, he says, oh, man, had a great sleep. Let's stay here for a couple more nights. Yeah. Why not? I felt good. And you just see and the anxiety Sylvester, that Sylvester has just been building up, and he just he snaps. This is where he's, he snaps. Anger. Yeah. He snaps. <laughs> just comes up. It's like, Porky says, like, yeah, I know we're staying here. We'll do the ace. Sylvester's dragging the back of his gun across the room. <laughs> an off-screen head. And Porky is now on loop singing Home on the Range. Yes. Very famously. I've always remembered that. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope 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 and the deer As Sylvester gets into the car and he drives off he thinks he's safe until we look in the speedometer and my god they're in the car. I love They're that in the ending. goddamn car. I love that ending. Again, I, I see where Joe Joe Dante got a lot of his influence from Chuck Jones because cartoons like this, where even if it is silly horror, you think the silly horror has ended, and in, in react and in reality, it hasn't. I mean, it's a Gremlins two ending. It's a Gremlins one ending, and you know, it's 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 a really good ending. Not just because of how Sylvester finally sticks it to Porky, but also the fact that even Sylvester's probably still going to keep losing. And I kind of dig that. This short's great. A great use of shadows, camera mm. angles, silhouette work. Porky and Sylvester work great together. Oh my god. Fantastic use of color throughout. Yes. It's, it's a short that it tells a story and tells it very well with little to no dialogue. For example, who speaks yeah. this entire cartoon. And it's just done so well. So it well. Is. I will say it's not as good as Scaredy Cat. But it is still very good. Very striking from an animation standpoint. This is Chuck Jones and his full mid-50s regalia with really paying attention to how he frames things. Thinking very cinematically. Especially from a genre perspective on how to make something like this. And I think that he really 
made this a lot more substantial and a lot more stylized than, you know, than even the original. And I think that I like a lot of what additions he made to this concept. I like um, the ending, obviously. I like how he sort of ups the ante from the original. I like the little elements that make this deeper and richer. We'll say the middle does have uh, some gags that don't always work. And I think the first one has stronger gag work all around, but I think that the dynamic between Sylvester and Porky is enough, strong enough, as well as the ending are enough to really save this for me. I still think it's really good, but I think it's just not as good as the first, but that, not bad by any means. No, not bad at all means. Um, I'm giving this an Anvil rating of 4.5 out of 5. I'm only going to give it a 4 out of 5, but I think it is very good and worthy of other people's time. So next we have Jumpin' Jupiter, which is the third of these three Sylvester and Borky cartoons, at least in the original era. Came out on August 6, 1955. I couldn't find a goddamn thing worth talking about that happened on this day. So just assume that um, that Bob Dylan uh, turned uh, did something when he was 14. I don't fucking know. You know, he skinned his knee on his bicycle. I don't... I don't I hurt my knee! No, that's, that's Neil Diamond. I'm, I'm, I'm... This was a Chuck <laughs> Jones film. This is a Chuck Jones film written by Michael Maltese. Yes, yes it is. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's interesting to note that some of the designs for the Martians would be reused uh, a year or so later in Hairway to the Stars, which is one that a lot more yeah. people remember than this one. Um, I think it's a very funny Martian design or uh, alien design. I think there's a lot of mileage they get out of them in this one, but I think they get probably even more mileage out of it in the next one because after the next one, it just becomes the requisite alien design for uh, future Marvin the Martian. For, forever. Versions. Yeah. Forever. They show him back in action during the um, A52 series. Yeah, they've been around forever. Okay. All right. And this is one I always remember because the first minute or so of this was in Quackbusters. And also this would get shown. I remember this from a couple of June bugs uh, or a couple of, of Cartoon Network marathons. Love the art style of the opening. And it's something you're probably going to be hearing me say a lot in this one. Because this is a well-done desert background with a coyote and the uh, silhouetted coyote and so much lived in. Like they're probably somewhere in like Arizona or New Mexico or something like that. And it's, it's Porky and Sylvester camping. And it's again, a good, we have a good proof concept gag with Sylvester being scared even of a coyote with a great Porky line of, relinquish me, you foul, gibbering feline, you. So already we know what kind of cartoon this is. Yes, and something to point out is that Porky does say, oh, I know, it, it's nice, we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and really I'm thinking, hmm... Keep going, cartoon. Keep going. A little couragey, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, and so it, through the first minute of this, I'm like, oh, okay, it's probably going to be something similar to you know the last two, and you know it's, it's probably going to have the same kind of like pacing and gag work. And but and already we do get a lot of this. Like we have the timing of Porky closing the tent, hearing another coyote, and then seeing Sylvester grab Porky from through the tent from two different angles, which is great. I like that a lot. But yeah, no, they're very much establishing, they're getting a lot of these out now before things change drastically. The Sylvester Porky dynamic that we have already there is already pretty fun, and they're getting some good stuff out of it. But then we figure out what this cartoon is, because 
we see what <laughs> we see. But us... then a bunch of fucking aliens yes. from Jupiter. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, no, you have, you have a spaceship from Jupiter coming down, piloted by one of the Martians from Airway to the Stars, who is actually from Jupiter in this, which begs the question, was uh, Marvin outsourcing his men from a couple planets over? I can't mm. find anybody on this planet, so why not do some on uh, a couple more up? Jupiter's not too far away. That's the best my Marvin impression has ever been. I'm, I'm honestly yeah, floored. not bad. It used to sound horrible, and now it actually sounds passable. Eric would still school me, but, you know. Then again, what else is new? Um, by definition, he's cooler than me. He's from Canada. Um, yeah, he does have that one up on you. Yeah, you know. Like, well, I've done all this. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm Canadian. Fuck! He's got me there. Um, ah! Damn it! Free healthcare! Yeah. Oh, free... Better access to ice hockey. Um, what am I saying? There's an ice hockey team 20 minutes from me. Yeah. So you want me to school you guys? No, no. No, no. What says right here in this episode? No. And I would just be like, I would just literally like, like, like do like a, a Zoom background of just me there and I'd be hiding in the closet going, no, 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 no. Jordan, can you hear me? Well, the rain. No. Um. Ding, 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 ding. You can't get Jordan out of the closet. <laughs> Try asking politely and um and and getting my partner over. Uh, I'm I'm kidding. I'm not seeing anyone. Um, not, not guys. Jordan won't get out of the closet. Jordan, <laughs> Mr. Cruz. <laughs> no, it's a great episode, but no. Jesus. Okay, cartoon. We're doing. Uh, but yeah, no, we have the Martian, the or the Jupiter person, for that matter, um, whose directive, who we get to see in the ship, is which is done timed with the xylophone, uh, is to you know find specimens. And again, I like the little xylophone timing there. It's shades of Duck Rabbit Duck. I but yeah, I've always loved the sequence here of. The plot of land that Sylvester and Porky are on being taken by the spaceship set to the powerhouse. And there is something genuinely cool from a sci-fi perspective, not only of the, the spaceship lifting up the plot of land and, and taking it into the space, but the car, the tent, everything whizzing through a space background is so fucking cool. Like, this is... This, I mean, we would give uh, Warner Brothers shit in about 10 years... For there, the sky is also space. Uh, the space is blue now, but this is some of the most stylized and cool space backgrounds to this point. And seeing our characters in the tent up against this, it gives this sort of sci-fi vibe that you don't often get in Looney Tunes cartoons. You don't often get in animation or, or stuff that's supposed to be comedic. Like obviously, this is a funny cartoon, or at least it tries to be, but. This is some of the most thought out and well done sci-fi perspective that they've done to this point. And I'm wowed by it here. Like the shot 
of Porky coming out of seeing the stars through the tent and saying, golly, the stars are so bright tonight. It's incredible. There's so much care put into it, even if this is a funny tune. It's like, well, that's those are really the stars and the galaxies and planets. and It looks so good. I, I literally, when, when this happened, I texted Mark and I was like, I love cartoons. And stuff like this is why. Sue me, I'm a sap. Yeah, I get it, man. You know, you know, you know that's what's so, what's so, I think that's why people kind of look down on animated shorts, because like, oh, they're just silly, whatever. But like, as demonstrated through us doing this show, which is watching cartoons in general, even the most silliest of cartoons, they do have moments of legitimately great art in them. Yes. It's not every episode, every short of something. You may have to sit through a good 25, 50 of just pure comedy. But occasionally, you know, these divisions will be like, hey, if this space scene, let's uh, put some effort into it. But let's really make it look big and majestic and nice. And yeah. uh, it has that ability. And it, it, it looks so cool. And also, thank goodness there's oxygen in space. Well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously this is a cartoon that isn't really playing by the rules yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, uh, until later when, with, when gravity kicks in. They're not really, you know, focusing too much on, you know, asphyxiation or how much oxygen there is in No, space. but that would, that would be funny if, like, for some reason in the tent there's oxygen, but Sylvester's <laughs> out there, he's just, he's just like... He's like <laughs> Which I would love that. Master, cut that out. <laughs> I would love that, where it's just like, hey, wait a minute, there's there's oxygen in here, and we don't explain why. I would love that. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Um, but yeah, and so here we do have. I'm not sure what the aliens' plan of waking Sylvester and sort of grabbing his head and then letting him go, letting him get away. Like, all right, you haven't really thought of that through that much, but um. And then, like, obviously, you know, he's trying to explain the whole thing to Porky. And I love Porky's, uh, Mills Reed as Porky. Of, this is Sylvester. Get, get, get off of me, or I shall kill you. Simplicity and also shall. Yes. I shall kill you. I forget what it, what exactly is, but obviously Porky doesn't buy it. And Sylvester, So yeah. Yeah, so eventually, you know, uh, again... He does the, you know, the miming thing. thing. Like, oh, well, it looks like this. I did this. And, and it was whatever. But then Sylvester is taken out of the tent. And then, like, yeah. I love this detail. He gets he gets thrown out of the tent, sees the alien, his color drains, yes. and then he turns yellow because he's cowardly, so he runs back into the tent. Yes, exactly. It's, it's again, he nearly, he nearly falls off the top of the ship. And he just sort of jumps into the alien's arms. And I love the alien's puzzled reaction here. So here's where we get, like, okay, so um, uh, Sylvester is like, okay, just just look, because the alien's behind him. And Porky just, you know, obviously sees the, the, the alien. And Porky mistakes the alien for a Native American. Well, I, I'm sorry, but you just have to return to your wigwam. And we'll look at your rugs and trinkets in the morning. Friendly Navajo. Which explains oh, was that what it rush was? to get this on physical media. Yeah. He's like, um, he thinks that it's an it's a Native American that's wandered over from a reservation. And Porky's like, no, we have we have no need for any of any of these things. And then he looks at the audience and he goes, Friendly Navajo, which sounds like a bug's read. 
Yeah, not great. Oh. Not great. Um, I I just, honestly, dude, I just completely, I that, right over the head for, for me. I'm like, because yeah. I was watching this going, okay. And, 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 and you know, right, because then the alien, he, he shrugs. He's like, well, like, he's confused. I'm like, I'm with you there. I'm with you. I have no idea what the hell just happened. But I do love but, that the yeah, alien that's... is the most sensible character in this, and just sort of shrugs, like oh, I don't know what he means. Let me go over to my human. Let me go over to my human dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> human... Well, he does. Yeah, he he does. Like you know, a, a guide to the um, you know the 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 activities and the um, the habits of of Earth uh, organisms, and it's. <laughs> It's by Dr. Sig Munfrey Ud. <laughs> they had fun. They had fun. They with had this fun. One. Sig Munfrey Ud. <laughs> Which is not a Star Wars character. Um, but yeah, and then this is the part where uh, you realize that they're about to leave the Earth's gravitational field. And the gag where they had with Porky and anti-gravity had been done before in Water, Water, Every Hair. But it works pretty well here because he's still oblivious. And it's as he's trying to figure oh. out <laughs> how all of this works, the Martian, the uh, the tent and the car and everything sort of just flies off the top of the ship and onto another planet. And we get oh man, but more. I love I love this line. <laughs> I love this line. It's just Porky leaves the tent, goes ah, oh, that was nice. Oh, what a lovely planet! It's the Earth, but it, it, it's in the size of like a moon. It's like, oh, why don't you play? It looks really nice. Oh, yes. come on, Sylvester. <laughs> he just keeps ragdolling. Sylvester is is like, he knows what's up. And he's just frightened as hell as they go off driving on this alien landscape where, shocker, there's another two giant aliens waiting around the horizon to probably eat them. And yeah, it's like, wow, well, they're going to get eaten. It's a very fun ending. It's like, well, we haven't learned anything. Porky hasn't learned anything. They're probably screwed. The alien doesn't know what, uh, hasn't learned anything either. And it's just a very wild and out of the box way of ending this. Which I want to see a sequel to this short where it's like a year later, <laughs> Sylvester, uh, Porky's still oblivious, and Sylvester's like, dude, screw it. Goes to the aliens, goes, okay, do you want to eat him? I'll help you. I will help you eat him because he's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> here, it's 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 reverse to serve man. It's it's like here, here's exactly. how to cook him. Exactly. Here's the fucking cookbook. <clears throat> apologies, Go ahead. apologies to anyone who's who hasn't. If I'm spoiling a sixty-year-old episode of a television show, um, oh god, the, the Simpsons did it in, in like 1990. Naked like, Gun Three did it as well, so. <laughs> Yeah. It might have been two. It was two, probably, but either way. It was very... Listen, it was very hot in the 90s to yes. spoil... <laughs> How to cook 40 humans. I love that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like the first one, I have a main issue with this one, which is that it's honestly further from the concept of Scaredy Cat than any of these, and it's more focused on the ragdolling of Porky than it is on Sylvester's gags. And so True. it's not quite as funny as the first two. However, it is absolutely gorgeous. 
tells an excellent sci-fi story, has some very anima interesting animation concepts that make this feel bigger than just a funny cartoon. So it may not succeed on the uh, at the target concept, but it succeeds on a whole nother level, and we should keep that in mind. Like, mm. you know, it may not be like, okay, Scaredy Cat 3 mm. entirely, but it's also just, you know, a, a, a follow-up to a lot of the Marvin the Martian cartoons. It's also just a way of playing with sci-fi concepts. It's also just, you know, <laughs> a really cool and fun cartoon. So that shouldn't be... Like, even if I am critical of it, I have to, I can't uh, deny that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, when I was watching this at first, as I alluded to at the beginning of this, I was just, just watching this going, all right, so it takes place in the middle of nowhere. Sylvester's an animal with an owner who's oblivious to the dangers around him. Oh, and now it's an alien. I've seen this Kurt the Cowardly Dog episode before. This isn't new. However, 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 what they do with the short past the setup completely changed my perspective. Yes. They do a lot, a lot of good, new, and interesting gags and motif <clears throat> that it definitely becomes its own thing, not only as a pet and master story, but as a part of this trilogy. Because you're right. I, I'm, I, listen, if they want to do just a third scaredy cat, same thing. They go to a haunted casino or something. Oh, know? don't threaten me with a Now good it's in a museum, which is also a Curse of Curly Dog plotline. Anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fair. It's a really good episode of Curse of Curly Dog. It is, um, yes. Um. But, but yeah, just... Based purely on the creativity of the premise and gag work alone, again, not, I agree, not as good as the first two, but it definitely has its merits. Yes, it's it's the last Jedi of um, Scaredy Cat trilogy. It's it may not do exactly yeah, what you okay. want it to do, yeah, but it does whatever it's doing extremely well, and you cannot deny that. I give it a four out of five. Same. Yes, I'll ask you in the say four out of five animals. Thank God. Just, yeah. So the last short we're covering here. Now it's something completely different. Um, it's tweet. Not something completely different. Sweet and sour came out on March twenty fourth, nineteen fifty six. I couldn't find anything for this day. Neither Jordan, could I. could you find anything on this day? No. Yeah. Now. It was just a day. Bob Dylan. Um, Bob Dylan went on his first date. <laughs> oh, Robbie, are you saying you love me? <laughs> oh, that's so sweet of you, but I can't do this. You see, my weird Minnesota ways are making me so sought after by the men. What's gonna set the, you apart from them? <laughs> oh, take me now! Funnier that way. <laughs> Adam Sandler is like... Bob Dylan in the Bob Dylan story. Oh God! Yeah, I. I he was a. Uh, Del... oh, okay. Yeah, he was a uh, 
a, a deleted a segment from I'm Not There <laughs> where it's Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, just, just, How just does she think and... To be on your own? Like a complete unknown? Like a rolling stone? Can't be any move with Bob and, and Todd Hayes just, just looking at each other going, No! No, 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 no. I would prefer if he was not in the movie. No, 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 no. Here's what it is. It's Todd Haynes and Bob Dylan looking at that, and Bob Dylan goes, Burn this! Burn every copy! And Al Pacino walks in. That's a good idea! I could be in your movie! Oh! And that's what happened on that day. This show was directed by Fritz Freeling, written by Warren Foster. This short was selected because Sylvester has a fear of Granny. We're pushing it. I know. Who cares? You know, by the way, um, another fun fact about this short is you're out of order. This whole desolation row is out of order. I had I had to put one more in there. I had to I had to get that in there. Yeah. So our short begins with Granny wishing Tweety has a good day. She's gonna go into town and get some food. Um, she leaves the house, puts the key under the mat, and where Sylvester is waiting underneath the mat, where Sylvester's there. Which how do you get there? How? By the way, important to note: yes, late fifties freeling with late fifties freeling granny design and very late fifties yep. shapes and rectangles. Yes, shapes and rectangles, but voiced by uh, June Foray, I believe. Right? Yes, June Foray is definitely there. This because this is the the square yep. June Foray granny design. So, so you know, of course, you know, Sylvester breaks in, Trudy says the line, and I love Sylvester going, get darn tune, you saw pretty cat. Again, by this point, Frizz was trying to think of new ways to tweak the formula of Sylvester and Tweety cartoons, because this is around when he would do Burns Anonymous and Last Hungry Cat and... Um, What's the other? Hide and go tweet. And so he, he they do right. things where they would fuck with the formula. And like this is like, you know, I told you, you're darn right. So, yeah, they're playing with it. And in this one especially, they begin to play with, yeah. you know, the dynamics of Tweety and Sylvester, which is pretty cool. Yes. And and yeah, especially in regards to Granny's involvement in the dynamics. So, so I love this. Just Granny's driving and then just going, help, help. The pointed has me. It's drawn by a window. Yes, the drive-through. Just great, exactly. Just, just great going. Bye, Tweety. <laughs> Have fun. Nothing is wrong here. Oh wait, something is wrong here. Stops the car. And and the best way I could put it is, you know, great throughout the years. She's noticed Sylvester. Usually she you know, hits Sylvester or he says, Oh, you bad Brita, how dare you put the bird back? Put so help me. the bud back. Alright, we're going to try this again. Don't put the bird back. Instead, push with all of your might against the other side of the bookcase. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've only seen that movie a million fucking times. Uh, yeah. 
So, so when I say this is a bit, a bit different, it's that Granny just yells at him. Yeah. Like, like it's still funny, but you can tell in the in the in the voice acting by June Foray in the animation, Granny's had up to here with this bullshit. Like she's like, yo. You, you scoundrel! You sneak! You rascal! You hoodlum! You, you scamp! You, you, you! Yeah, you bad old putty cat! Can't take my eyes off you for a second. Let me warn you, Sylvester, for absolutely the last time, if there's one little feather, just one little feather harmed of this bird, I'm going to sell you to the violin string factory. Remember. This is the last straw. Stop. This is the last straw. If I see you get Tweety again, I'm going to send you to the violin factory and they'll use your fucking body for violin strings. God damn it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they, they cut those lines from the short. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> no, that's what I do it for a going like, and so help me. <laughs> Dude, 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 uh, we got. We really don't want you to have that. I, oh, I'm sorry. I feel for Granny. I do. We all do. Listen, you piece of fucking. We're not going to animate any of this. Let's get her out of the cartoon pronto. Yes, it has what happens. Um, I mean, again, I love how needlessly violent she is in this. Like, again. She basically says, okay, if you do any more, I'm going to literally string you up in a violin factory and does a full rendition of the funeral march on a violin. And Sylvester is spooked by this. He's yes. in the corner. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> she's, not, she's not kidding. And uh, fun fact, I'm going to look it up here. What are violin strings? Oh, look at that. Right there on Google. Violin strings made up. Let's see. Ah, sh ah. So I believe the reason they put the, the the cat in here is because originally the first violin strings were made of sheep's intestines. So I assume that's what would happen to Sylvester since yeah. his intestines. Yeah, they 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 string him out like that. It's it's like the stereotype that that um, glue is made from from dead horses, which isn't exactly accurate, but can be. There's literally a horse head on the cover of an Elmer's glue uh, tin. Yeah, glue is made of uh, live horses. Oh, yes, exactly. That's what they is. There's, there's an amputee horse who's like, yeah, fuck Elmer's! Can you get a little more? No, no, no. Uh, glue is made out of wild horses. Ah, yes, of course. All the copies of that record have been made into glue, yeah. Which is, which is sad, because it's a good record. <laughs> yeah. uh, if anything, um, if anything, Mark, um, glue should be made out of Goodbye Horses, which is the song from Silence of the Lambs. Yes, yes. Would you glue uh, me? I'd glue me. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so even Tweety is like, yeah, pretty tan. If you do try anything, they, 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 they. I, I just love Granny and Tweety. And they don't do this a lot of do your When they do, I kind of love it. Where, you know, a physical slapstick. Oh, that's funny. It's good. But mental manipulation... Ooh, that's some good shit. And Sylvester just backs up. By the way, Mark, um, 
Did yeah. some of Mel's audio at Tweety feel off to you at all in this? Not bad. Yeah, it Not felt bad. like it was recorded like, differently or someplace else. Maybe, 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 maybe that. Maybe they had to record it at Hanna Barbera Studios. Oh yeah, schedule conflicts. All right, get it through the 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 rusty like potatoes that they had to record through, and we'll hopefully get some salvageable audio out of it. Sorry, Joe. It's okay. <laughs> oh, what, good, buddy. What if what if uh, what if William and William and Joe are just like the Dingleberg of um, of Frizz Freely? He's like, God damn it, William and Joe. Not a problem, Frizz. Yeah, keep doing, keep up the good work, man. <laughs> God damn imbeciles, ruining cartoons with your cheapness. What was that? Oh, I said you guys are great. Thank you. You too. Hey, no Barbera. Tinkleberg. Uh, so. So, um, because Sylvester can't get tweeting this cartoon, we're introduced to Sam the Cat. He's a one-eyed cat, and he has no relation to um, the other orange cat from Birds Anonymous. He also has no relation to uh, Yosemite Sam. Because when I briefly read the, the Looney Tunes Wikipedia, they say, you know, Sam the Cat once in, in the article. Then just like, no, Sam and Sylvester. I'm like, okay, I know it's not Yosemite Sam, but that would be hilarious. Just for, just for one cartoon, Yosemite Sam's like, <laughs> oh, I'm done getting money. Canaries, that's the real, real money is. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, all right, so what else happens? You got some, uh, some nice gags. Yeah, um, because, okay, so obviously the cat, um, grabs Tweety and Sylvester has to, you know, save him against his morals. I love the timing of the cat climbing the fence and Sylvester just pushing the fence piece down and clotheslining him. And also the timing of Sylvester reaching down the cat's throat at the exact time as he swallows him. Like, there's, there's some really sprightly quick gag work in this one, even if it's not like, oh my god gags that would be in normal Tweety and Sylvester cartoons or even in Chuck cartoons. Like, and again, Sylvester specifies here that he's not saving Tweety because he's protecting him, but because he doesn't want to get made into violin strings. Which, again, is a pretty sound moral, oral background, and it's <clears throat> a good way of seeing into Sylvester's um, pr perspective here. Also, the timing between that line, a pause, and an iron being chucked at Sylvester's head made me laugh very much. Oh my god, I love that. I love so that. Pause. Of that. Bang. Bang. And I love just the immediate Sam running with the, the um, with Tweety. You see Sylvester has an anvil out the right, just drops it. Immediately. Within like two seconds. Just cracks on his head, an anvil, yeah. It cracks on his head. Yeah, and that's... The copy. musical timing of both cats running to the other side of the fence with Tweety and getting bonked is very freeling. All oh, the mallets. Yeah, the, the mallet. Bang, the, the, the and then the other one. Not that exact music, but just like time directly the music. And I, I love the subversion of this, of the cat stopping before the mallet, looking over, and then the mallet being yanked upwards. And it's, it's such a good gag. So, then we get this gag with the chicken. Yes, where... Where Tree just finds a chicken and hides underneath him, which I wrote down here. Jesus, Tweety, you're willing to hide anywhere. Because that chicken makes a reaction. Yes. When, when Tweety comes underneath there. And remember, Tweety's a male, so that would not fly now. <laughs> no. It's like. It's just. Hey, uh, ask first. Exactly. 
And then we kept this, and then we get the spin where, you know, Spencer has his hand out trying to get Tweety, and eventually the 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 the, the chicken's like, fuck this, gets the rooster, comes the rooster in with goes, a bat, okay, gets up. It's a great gag that requires no spoon waiting. feeding. You're waiting. You're waiting for the bat to yes. then Spencer goes like, and Spencer so just runs. Of course, then Sam the cat comes in, puts his hand. We don't see the reaction. We've just, actually, no, no, we see the reaction. And then we just see the flat hands. And then we get this, and then, and then we, get, we get the bit that was cut out of some airings, where Sam just grabs Sylvester and just slams him on the ground repeatedly. Okay. And listen, I, I'm not much for being like, oh, they were right to cut this, but... uh it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it seems a little random. It's just aggressive <laughs> for no reason, and it's just, okay, and it's a lot of padding. And then after this, because I, I forget how Sam gets dealt with, but we end up with both of them, uh, Tweety and Sylvester, back in the house. Yeah, yeah, so they get back inside the house, and Sam's last resort is crowned through the chimney. Oh, yes, exactly. But, I mean, I think, is, is the little conversation that Sylvester and Tweety have before or after that? Uh... That was um like right when they go into the house. That's what yeah. Fletcher says. Because like, I don't think I'm we not, need I'm that. I'm not a good pudding fan. I don't think I'm we need a good pudding fan. I'm doing this to save my ass. And the, the, yeah, the... because we already know that. We already figured that out a couple seasons ago. We didn't need that to be stated again. And so it's it's really an extra fifteen seconds we didn't need. No, but uh, we're doing get this pretty decently paced gag here yeah, where Sam is going to go to the chimney. And we just saw a dynamite the chimney gag in a, a mouse divided, but yes. this is different. It is because you know Sam goes through the chimney, and then uh, so then the balloon to the dynamite lights it, goes up to the chimney. Sam runs out of the chimney. We see the the balloon dynamite go up to the sky. And we're like, okay, well obviously eventually something's gonna happen. Sam climbs it through the chimney, and then just the timing of when nothing happens. And then the dynamite comes back in the frame with the blood. I like that. I like that we just get to see it again. It's like, oh, there it is. As, uh, yeah, then it goes off. Also, the way that the, the, the explosion is animated, and just like we just see the, the crumpled mess of, of bricks just occasionally resembling a chimney. I like that. I like the, the detail into that. Yeah, so... <laughs> we're going to this ending? <laughs> so... Because, okay, so you have, okay, Sylvester has gotten Tweety through all of this conflict and has saved Tweety, and yet Frizz still thinks Sylvester has to suffer. I don't know why. So the whole thing is that, you know, as he's bringing him back to the cage, Granny comes back in, and Granny thinks that Sylvester is, is obviously trying to eat uh, Tweety because she, she hasn't seen the whole story that we just saw. And Sylvester takes about five seconds trying to explain it and then just goes, uh, you know, it's not worth it at all, and just literally plays the violin and and, and puts himself into the violin case. And I'm basically saying he's going to just... Body know, slams. Yeah. Body slams into that case. It's a loud sound that we end the cartoon yeah. on, which also had me going, huh, Legion cartoons don't typically end with a loud sound effect, usually just like a da-da-da or something like that. It was just... Oh, thank God for that loud sound. Why is that? 
I just woke up. Um, but yeah, no, again, it yeah. feels like a cop-out, an abrupt... Because, you know, it you could have crafted an ending where Sylvester is rewarded for saving Tweety somewhat. We just have him accepting death and not actually... It, it seems like the easy way around. Like, why couldn't Tweety have said something? Why couldn't Tweety have spoken to him and said, Hey, HD saved my life. Did we just really want the ending we wanted? And, and we didn't think that there would be not even a funny come up. And it's just like, all right, well, Sylvester decides to die the end. Bam! I mean... Hmm. And now the game of what could the ending have been? Oh, um, <laughs> well, that's a game that's that's a tricky game anyway. Sam gets blown up out of the picture, right? Like he, it's not like his his body is like that's still kind of funny. It's just like it's like they're going to the car. Granny sees the other cat on the lawn. Hmm? Hmm? Oh well. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny, though. If they as they go to leave to literally send Sylvester away, she sees the dead cat on the lawn and goes, <laughs> like, something that doesn't even, like, register that what just happened. She just goes, oh, it must have been raining. dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> I would have loved that ending. Like, like, like it's still, it's... <laughs> It's still fucked up, but it's in a way that's kind of funny, you know? Yeah. As opposed to this, where it's just, well, Sylvester's gonna die! Bye! And the cartoon. I think that it... it, it uh, my guess is that Eddie Seltzer nicks a dead cat joke. He's like, the, the public isn't gonna want a dead cat. Last and last and fellas, 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 dead cats are... The dead cats are just not in. You can't do a dead cat. Well, that makes me really want to do a dead cat. I know. Honestly, Fred, Fred, I know. I know you want to do a dead Why would I do this voice? There is footage of Eddie Seltzer out there. <laughs> I could do it's, a funny, it's a funny stuck-up asshole voice. Voice It works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, now listen, 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 listen. How about the next one? You just have Sebastian and Tweety sitting on two rocking chairs drinking lemonade. I'm going off to MGM. Fuck this shit. Hey, that's my line. Well, it's gonna be a different ending, I'll give you that. I better will be, you piece of shit. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, Tweet and Sour. Uh, Actually, does a lot right. Um, I like the gag mentality, especially in the middle, because the, the whole middle of this cartoon is silent. Um, there's a lot of really good gag work. I wish it led to something a bit more satisfying of an ending, but it's pretty good until that point. And if the beginning and middle and ending were a little bit differently, maybe I'd like it a little more, but it is what it is. And as it is, it's pretty good. Not perfect, but pretty good. Yeah, it's a very fun Sylvester and Tweety short. Um, I really like the gag work, the different approach with Sylvester trying to save Tweety, save himself, even if it does work out in the end, which does suck. I will give you that, but, you know, it's... It's this thing where, you know, they're doing this sort of Tweety cartoon that's that's different from the formula. It's like, oh, this time he has to save Tweety. But they, I feel like they haven't changed enough where they can go, and Sylvester lives? And they're like, no, he still has to die. <laughs> but uh, you know, go on as a hero? Yeah, know. Sylvester was saved by, oh, let's say Mo. <laughs> yeah. 
It's yeah, but as a seventy-three cartoon, it it does do a, a pretty good job. It does, yeah. And I think it's of the first of these sort of subversive Sylvester and Tweety cartoons where Chris was trying to do something different. I think it succeeds a great deal, paves the way for other ones like Birds Anonymous and uh, I can go tweet. But I wish it had a better ending, and I wish that um, parts of it were different. But as it is, fine. Yeah, I'll give this short uh, four out of five anvils. I'm giving it a 3.5 out of 5, um, but it's a lot better than I thought. All right, let's see what you guys had to say about these uh, Sylvester Scaredy Cat shorts. Wait, no, that's the one short we didn't cover. Darn it. Ah. All right, we got a comment here from uh, James Rowley. I'm going to read it uh, as Bob Dylan. Um, just in <laughs> because the masses clamored for it, I reckon. Uh, that's... Uh... James Riley says, uh, really, really underrated shorts. Great character expressions and poses in these. I, I agree with him, yeah. Mm. Cartoons do tend to have those. Yeah. I think that one time I watched a cartoon and there was a lot of pictures in it. I think I saw that and I got the idea for like a Rolling Stone. It's verging on Dr. John. Um... I was just doing my thing. I don't know what else you was doing. Um, yeah. The cartoons are very well animated. Yeah. Thank you, James. Yeah. Thank you for your comments. Well, in your face. And the whole world is out of place. Thank you all for commenting. To that's not quite all, folks. <laughs> and it. End it, please. <laughs> so, for I tell you what's going on next week's episode, we first like to thank our patrons who give to the That's Not Quite All Folks Patreon at patreon.com backslash TNQAF. We specifically like to thank James, Andrew, Triscrew, and Samuel Adams, the person, not the drink. Thank you, thank you so much for doing it, guys. I appreciate it. Would you like to hear? <laughs> I want to hear a song. <laughs> Where's like to hear the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Um, <laughs> I'll never, never watch a Star Wars movie. Look, if Lizzo can be in Star Wars, why not Bob Dylan? <laughs> he already looks a lot like Yoda. All right. Judge me by my size, you do. Uh, I don't judge me by anything, I do. The only thing I judge myself by is how I get to how I'm seen by the Lord. I'm a, I'm a born again Christian, remember? <laughs> Surprised you didn't know that. So for next, yeah. So for next week's episode, you know we, we're nearing a movie episode, a big movie episode. It's, it's an episode we've been teasing for a while. Yeah. And um, we figured as a as a way to rev up. For it, um, we're gonna be looking at some more shorts and TV episodes that have our two main leads, those being Sylvester and Tweety. Yay! So, for next week's episode, we're gonna be looking at some more Sylvester and Tweety cartoons. I'm fine with this. Well, last day was pretty good, so why not? So, the shorts we're covering next week are. Birdie and the Beast, one of the early uh, Tweety cartoons. Oh. 
Tweeties SOS and Dog Pounded. Interesting. Okay. Dog Pounded, I think, is the one that Frizz borrowed a few gags he would use in Roman Legion hair from. I think. I believe. Maybe. think so. But either way, we're going to have fun because I like talking about Sylvester and Tweety cartoons because it's yeah. gags on gags on gags. So we'll, we'll have a good time. I'm, I'm excited. But, yeah. And then in uh, two weeks, we're going to be looking at some uh, more Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries episodes. And that I am also excited for because I like that show a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the movie episode's going to be. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's Taz, the quest for <laughs> Not yet. Now, that one, actually, I'm looking a bit more forward to watching than the one that we're doing in two weeks. So. All right. That's the end of this week's episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Hallam 1995 And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If I keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony, both on Twitter and Instagram, or type in the podcast title. We are the first results. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We have a YouTube channel where we have antimatic bits from plenty of episodes that we've done. Uh, stuff comes out every two weeks from there. Give us a, uh, a watch on YouTube. Uh, we also have a Patreon where you can give us anywhere from $1 to $5 and support your favorite Looney Tunes podcasts. Or maybe your second favorite Looney Tunes podcast, because um, of course you realize this podcast is also really good, and yeah. we understand if you like Jonathan better than you like us, because he's really good. Um, our Patreon has plenty of goodies for you, including commentaries, like one that people are voting on as we speak, um, a bonus cuts, uh, bon- early, early 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 versions of episodes you guys will say get a couple of days early before everybody else on the feed um the replay of our live stream episodes that we do on a bi-monthly and occasionally monthly basis and plenty of other good goodies like me writing you a letter or uh being a part of some of the goals that we're um working towards on our patreon if you want to find it uh look for us at patreon uh slash uh that tnqaf yeah the link will be in the episode description Yes, exactly. All right, so until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan, and we will leave you once again with the soothing sounds of Sir Robert Zimmerman. Take it away, Bob. Hey, Mr. Time, the rain man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy, and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Time, the rain man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Though I know that evening's empire has returned into sand, vanished from my hand, left me blindly here to stand, but still not sleeping.